Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey everyone, welcome to our Moms Think We're Funny. I'm Akomi. Hey, my Strickman two. And we got special guest with us. Wallcrawler one. Hey, so how you guys doing? <laughs> I never. Did you know I'm never. I, I'm so, oh man, I already. It's it's cool. It's cool. I, he 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 always hates the way I introduce, but I don't know what to say. See, he it's used to thing. He used to be on my case about enthusiasm too. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had to edit out him going. That wasn't an enthusiastic intro. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just. I mean, you know, I, I love you to death, but man, it's like it's almost like like we're taking roll call, like walk all one here. President Bueller, Bueller. So, guy, I'm just a guest. I, I can't take away from you guys. You like Steve Seagal from like Under Siege? Like me, I'm just a guest. <laughs> oh, I should get a stopwatch going. Um, so, guys, what are we talking about today? Um, I was just thinking we probably just sit around and make shit up. Damn right. Sound good to me. So what should we make up? Uh, we should make up some film theories. Ooh. Good I mean, segue, huh? Me like you. I like how every time we do a good segue, instead of just letting it be smooth, we have to call attention to it. <laughs> Guys, wasn't that smooth? <laughs> we did it. Damn, yeah. I'm good. Just as like, I love when we practice our improvisations. <laughs> it's so spontaneous. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, we had so much fun doing our uh, film theory one that uh, we decided to do it again. Yeah. And we were uh, chatting with Wallcrawler about it and d- decided to sort of bring him into this one. And yeah, so we picked movies for each other and and yeah, we're going to see what we do with it. And uh, it's a little unusual for us to do it this way, but we're actually going to um, let Wallcrawler start this one off. Yeah. Which one did you want me to do first? Um, you uh, You had your BVS. Yeah, Batman vs Superman. Um, ah, well, I had no idea that was your uh, your film. So. This this was like uh, this one's kind of long, so I, I hopefully just keep, it, cool. keep yeah. it on two hours. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can do that. But like, um, All right. yeah. <laughs> How many times have we said that and failed? <laughs> like, uh, there's many a sore girl in town. <laughs> wait, no, wait, can't cut that out. <laughs> what? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> oh, you didn't have that Spanish dictionary. <laughs> no, I said you didn't like what I said. Right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stepping all over you, Walt Carly. Please go ahead. KRS, like uh, huh? Basically, K- like KRS. KRS. Oh, KRS. <laughs> <laughs> I just the only thing I know is Donde Esta Zapateria. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like BBS, like um, basically when the movie opens up, like in Batman the comic, when. Bruce is with his family. They're watching Zorro. Yeah. And so they kind of like made ties to the Zorro thing, the masked vigilante. But like, um, in this one they do Excalibur. And so as soon as I saw that, I basically watched the movie differently than other people. It's basically a retelling of Excalibur. It's the, and getting even deeper into it, like Joseph Campbell, the monomyth, like, uh, you know, how Arthurian legend... Um, the same story has been told over and over again with just ma- minor things changed. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, so even in Star Wars, Lucas admitted he, he studied Joseph Campbell. And when he created Star Wars, he took the Arthurian legend. You know, you had the sword, the, yeah. you know, the kid. The, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of... He also, like, took beat for beat the Hidden Fortress. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Nothing wrong with that, though. No, I mean, most story And there's only so many things you can do as a storyteller. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, um, you know, there's been comparisons to 
Moses and Jesus to Superman story. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you could do the same thing with a lot of them, and so there's overlap there. But basically, when you're watching the movie, if you've watched Excalibur, I think it's 1980. I think that's what the marquee said. Okay. Um, that's uh, that's pretty much the same film. And it's it's to this day, I had a mythology class back in high school, and like um, we had to watch that. And so like um, as soon as I watched, it, I was like, oh, this is Excalibur because, <clears throat> and there's I've, I've when I came up with it at the time, I didn't really see too many things out there, but this has been years ago, and now other people have said stuff, and I've read about it, and like, um, there's not too much out there, but there's one person that kind of associates Batman with Percival, um, and basically, like, oh, yeah, the I knight think, who found the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking he's more Lancelot, and Superman's more Arthur, because the way, have you ever seen the movie before, Excalibur? Oh. Excalibur. No, I haven't seen Excalibur. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, um, uh, um. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Turk. Um. Turk, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's cool. I'm not used to that yet. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After like six podcasts, you're not used to that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah. take me a little bit longer. Well, I haven't done one in a while. We And I didn't say your name last night. So like, but like, uh, it's, it's early. Like, I, we had a long night last it's, night. It's all cool. <laughs> Thank you there, Destiny's Child. Um. But like, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying, but basically, like, you asked me if okay, I've seen so, Excalibur. So, so Excalibur, yeah, Excalibur, um, Excalibur. It's associated with Lady of the Lake. It comes from the water. When you see the beginning of the movie, the Kryptonite's down in the water, mm-hmm. and then later, when they make the the spear, or whatever, it gets thrown into the water, and Lois goes down. The Lady in the Lake, she lifts it back up. Yeah. Um. Um. Then you had like a uh, Batman. And he finds the the spear. He takes it. He's supposed to take it to basically like um, Superman. And he throws the sword or the the spear into the stone. And he pulls it out. The sword, the stone. Yeah. yeah. Hands it to Superman. And they impale each other. And Excalibur, Mordred, and um, Superman. Or it's hard. I'm, I'm overlapping. Excal- uh, Arthur. Arthur. Sorry. Arthur and Mordred kill each other. And Superman and Doomsday kill each other the exact same way where they kind of impale each other on the spear. Yeah. And like, um, and then you've got like how Arthur and was raised. He basically was raised by people that weren't his actual parents. Mm-hmm. And you had like a Paul Kent character who was kind of like, I don't know if it was, it was Merlin necessarily, but he, you know, guided him. Right. And then, and then like, but Batman, same he, thing. He instills the values in him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Batman, Alfred. A Merlin-esque type character. There's mm-hmm. overlap, you know. It's not perfect, but it's like there, there's just a lot of similarities to the to the film and then that legend. I mean, it's not exact all the way through, but let's that's that's pretty much yeah the gist of it. Like you could see it. It's and then and getting even deeper, like to esoteric stuff that I don't think necessarily is there, but you never know. Like have you ever heard the legend of Lapis Exilis? Where you saw, you saw well, oh, and then also smaller words, please. You're losing crop. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Why don't you explain it to me like I'm five? <laughs> like, like, like yeah, Lex, I, I mean that really. Explain it to me like I'm five. Well, well, well Lex Lex Luthor, he you, you saw the painting there, mm-hmm. and he said there's the painting of the angels coming down yeah. and the demons from above, and it's supposed and, to foreshadow dark side. And he, and he said, what, what if you flip that upside down? Well, right. Lapis Exilis... Do you think my dad would mind me making one little change? <laughs> well, Lapis Exilis 
there's this story about the the philosopher's stone. You know, it's in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, and like um Harry Potter, different, and that's the piece exactly. One version of it is when the devil was trying to take over heaven. He, you know, and like we we, it's associating aliens, things we don't understand with godhood or deep bad yeah, white yeah. forces. You know, it's it's so Superman being the god that comes down because there's that one scene where the he he lands after rescuing people from the fire and, and it's like during the Day of the Dead and oh everyone's like reaching out and touching him as as the savior. Yeah, basically like he's on dark side side more than he would be on Superman. You see, mm-hmm. and like um, and so like Lapis Exilis, it's the story of. When Lucifer was trying to take over heaven, he had a crown. He made it because his hubris. He had his own crown, and one of the jewels from it—that's the—that's the philosopher's stone. Hmm. Like, uh, it, and and so like, which goes to our, our unturned book. Exactly, and that's that's pretty much. I'm I'm saying that might be a reach there, but you never know. I mean, yeah. the people, these people that study this stuff, they probably know a million more things than us. And there's always hidden things in that. Um, so that's pretty much it. It's like it's the. It's it's the little things that were changed, and if you if you could watch Excalibur, and then you watch Batman vs Superman, and watch the Ultimate Edition, don't watch the regular. Right. It adds right. a little bit more. Um, and I I think in our other podcast where we talked about theme songs, that's one of my favorite, like Hans Zimmer and Excel Junkie. Like um, I I've said this, and other people probably would disagree. If Avengers is Star Wars of comic movies. I kind of associate BVS with almost like the Citizen Kane. It's got a lot more going for it than people give it credit for. Yeah, yeah, it did get a really bad rap. Yeah, people oh, yeah. hated it. But but if you could see it from that aspect, I think people might appreciate it more. But you know, I, people I, don't want to think. You know, it's like I mean, I, I like it the way it is now. We've had lots of discussions about it, and it's not a perfect movie. No, but it's it's got a it's got a lot more going for it than people want to say that it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but I think it would be interesting if you opened up like BVS with Superman there, and he like drops his like. Krypton, and then like, the thing falls in his hand, like the, the Bow City of Candor. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like uh, they, and the other thing is, is like uh, Lex. Some people associate. I didn't. I hadn't thought about this on my own, but I never really thought about the the Morgan Le Fay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that doesn't really necessarily work because the sexual relate. But 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 like he did create the monster in the in Mordred kind of became the monster right. himself. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't, so he used Doomsday instead. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess if you were going to well, go, was, if you were going to go that route, then you would almost say that Mordred was, in a sense, maybe uh, uh, Zod. Zod. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it's not perfect, it, but it's the elements, you know. Right. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're not talking about a, a, a an exact adaptation. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're talking about like an. A reinterpretation. <laughs> or a bodge, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Get fucked, Turk. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'll say this, too. This isn't quite fair, because this is just mine that I came up with on my own, you know? Like, a, like, like I'd always thought that, whereas these other ones, it's a little bit tougher because somebody was thrown into one and they had to come up with it later, you know, because we gave each other the different right. ones, you know? So it's like that. This one was a little bit easier for me. The next one's going to disappoint you probably, but like I, I tried my best. <laughs> oh, no, I thought that was really interesting. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, this episode of Our Mom's Secret Funny is brought to you by Grandma Sweet Tea. You've <laughs> never had anything as delicious as Grandma Sweet Tea. Dude, I was actually going to open the episode with that joke. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm going like, this is a jar of piss. <laughs> mm, 
I sure am sweet. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> you don't know my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, we our our sense of humor overlaps way too much. It's kind of terrifying. It, it really is. It's so fucking scary. It's <laughs> so oh, grandma. <laughs> you don't mess with grandma. Oh, when Johnny's in the bathtub, it's all keep him. Grandma's in the bathtub. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm a fetishist. <laughs> did we ever? Did we ever record uh, Xavier's school? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we just haven't posted it, right? Um, I don't think so because it was one of the last car episodes. Oh uh, yeah, I have uh, to. I have to double check that. <laughs> no, I think I think we posted that. Did we? Xavier's school for the gifted? I don't think we did. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember him being embarrassed that day. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell when I'm ashamed of like something we posted. I'm always late in sharing it. <laughs> Are you shame posting again? <laughs> I am. I am. That's that's what we're gonna have to just change the channel to. It's just shame posting. <laughs> shame posting unlimited. So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take the next one if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm doing some last minute cramming on mine as we speak. Because mine is really cramming. really weak. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, mine mine is super weak. It's super weak. A now. Um, oh, because I sprung it on you at the last possible second. No, 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 not that one. This is this is the one that uh, that that WC gave us uh, before. Oh yeah, which uh, you gave me. Le- I think I think it was it was a he gave us two. It was a heavy metal uh-huh. and legend. Yep, yep, yep. And you hadn't seen legend. You're like, I could do better with heavy metal. And I was like, fine. And I was like, <laughs> I haven't seen legend in a long. I mean, I, I I I really can't honestly say I've seen legend all the way through from start to finish. Um, I've seen it. But I can't say I've sat down and watched it all the way through. So right, right. Uh, so anyway, so I was I was thinking, okay, what what can I, what can I do with Legend? What can I do with Legend? And um, where are we at time wise, buddy? Uh, let me see. We're like twelve minutes in. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, so I was like, what can I do with Legend? And it's for me, it was really kind of hard to to really work something in. And I kept thinking, I kept thinking, I was like, what can I do? And then I thought, okay, well, uh, darkness. Darkness is a uh, Darkness. Charlie Murphy. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so nobody had heard of Wesley Snipes at this time. So, <laughs> so I was thinking, um, I was thinking, what what can I do with that? But darkness makes this whole speech um, about how there is no light without darkness, right? There is right, no right. good without evil. But what is his plan? His plan is to like kill the last unicorn and bring about forever darkness. But he's already said that that the one cannot exist without the other. Mm-hmm. So he, he he's kind of saying that my plan can't succeed. It can't. Hmm. And when I thought about it more, and I was thinking, okay, you know, like you know, one of the things is like you know, we can never have nice things, right, on right. this earth. There's always going to be some kind of controversy, some kind of conflict. We can never have a utopia because when you live in a utopia, unless you've known something before some kind of strife or whatever, then you don't recognize you're living in a utopia. Mm-hmm. It's just the world. And then you don't really understand that a good and evil because you, you have to have a balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we can never really have a utopia because we have to we have to have something over there to recognize that we are living in good times. Yeah. Um and uh So good is bad and bad is good. Right. You know it's like just like you know if you've always lived in light then you don't know that you know darkness exists you know? right, and right. so i was thinking about that and and i was like well he can you can't win he can't win he knows that because if there was darkness all over then what do you have like 
you you've you've achieved this thing, but what is it that you've achieved? You you've got nothing there. Like so, what do you like? This you know, I said this kind of like like if we you know if you like steak, but you hunt all the cows to death, right? You know, then it's like you know, it's like I want to eat all the steak in the world. Okay, but now you have now you got no steak. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Um, a- it's funny. Oh, I don't want to interrupt your stuff. No, go like, ahead. Right I never thought about it like this before, but like you know how like ultimate evil is always trying to corrupt itself into showing that it's the good side. So when you're always talking about like you know in symbology when they're they're talking about like um, Satan like being the illuminator mm-hmm. and like bring like he only it's the lie. He's not the illuminator. He brings the darkness. Right. It's yeah. like he becomes. He says he's the bright, but but it's it's not. He's always trying to corrupt it. Like the morning star. It's. Everything, yeah. everything that's supposed to be good, he just flips it and says it's me, but really it's the darkness he's bringing up. Like ah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That, I never thought about it like that, that. opens up some interesting philosophical stuff because like <laughs> you you have that philosophical uh, worldview that um, evil isn't a, an element in and of itself; it's just the absence of good. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like just just like with hot and cold, you can have absolute zero as a temperature, but you can always add heat. You're not going to hit like absolute hot. So yeah. there's no such thing as cold technically. It's just the absence of heat, yeah. and absolute zero is the pure absence of heat. So and darkness is the opposite of yeah, minus like, the light. Like you can hit a point of absolute darkness, but you can always add light. So in the same vein, you would have like pure evil is just the absolute absence of good. Hmm. So yeah, that that opens up some pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's like when the missionaries go to like one of those foreign countries where they don't wear like clothes or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're like. You know, you're living in sin, and and then they look like, oh my, you know, oh my goodness, uh, you know, like, like how we've been, but you never knew, like, well, I mean, that's still your, you know, your interpretation of it, but it's like <laughs> I never knew that this was wrong until right. you told me it was, it just was. Mm-hmm. And you want now, a hamburger? Praise Jesus. be one of the rare times for i'm the good person here <laughs> it's, it's, it's just that's that, that whole that whole like duology the dichotomy right it's like <laughs> this time i'm the light bringer <laughs> or so you think <laughs> so um no, that's interesting that's that i actually like that yeah so with that he he knows that darkness always has to exist there always has to be evil so he can't win and and when they destroy him in the end, well, now the evil is technically gone, mm-hmm. but it can't be gone. So he basically is kind of setting himself up to like come back, to be reborn, to be resurrected in some fashion, because he has to. Because even if there is a utopia, you're not going to recognize it unless there's something there to show you the the balance. You yeah. Know? Um, and uh, he basically sets himself up to be uh, reborn, and he's reborn as Hellboy. Huh. Okay. And and then when Hellboy is pulled out of that thing, he's brought into this world. And when Hellboy brings comes into that world, you've got evil in that world, but you don't have that level of evil because he then brings in the Cthulhu kind of type of thing. Yeah. But in this instance, Hellboy is is like he's he's basically the crux between I can go good or I can go evil. He looks just like darkness, right? It just he's, the minus he's the horns. Red. Well, he's horn. got the horns. He just shaves them shaves off. Shaves them down. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. And, and, and he's the and he's the thing there was like, I'm the I'm the decider between whether we're gonna go evil or go good. Hmm. But it's it, I'm I'm the balance there. I'm the balance between what we do, but I'm the necessary balance to be able to still say, I'm gonna keep the I'm gonna keep the evil from being all bad. But even if, even if I get rid of all the evil, 
I'm still here. And because of that, I am still a, a technically evil person because I can go either way. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, that, that, so that's it. Um, Saloon door, baby. <laughs> that's my, uh, that's, that's my, that, yeah. that's my, my, my uh, yeah. theory is that, yeah, darkness from legend is, re- says himself to be reborn and he is reborn as Hellboy. Hellboy will then, as a decider, eventually get to the point where he's going to have to be reborn and he will be reborn as something else. You know, and, and may, he may not be like the, the, the in between on that one. He may be actually the evil force, or he actually may be the good force. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on depending on what is necessary to maintain that balance. I say balance, but it doesn't really have to be a balance. It could be like a ninety ten thing, but you still have to have a little bit of one side in order for the other side to recognize who they are and know their place. That's really what it's about. It's about knowing your place, no yeah. matter what it is that you do, whether you're the bad you're or the wrong. good. Knowing your place. Like, and, and the thing is, too, like, uh, it makes you wonder, like, I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that Darkness did influence Hellboy on some manner. You know that Mike Minola probably saw it, or, like, you know, I, I'm sure he oh, yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In some way. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they yeah. both got those rocking-ass bodies and those rock-hard abs. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You, yeah. you need a minute, Turk? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. You okay? Dude, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with my demonology sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, yep. So there I am. All right. Plus, I think uh, you know we've talked about this before, but I think that uh, was it Mia, Sarah. Uh, no, uh, who the chick from uh, uh, Ferris Bueller? Ferris Bueller. Yeah, probably first goth crush, man. Fair enough. Tom Cruise is in it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to what you're talking <laughs> about, obviously, he's not my first goth. <laughs> my crush. first goth crush. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's, my, he's my first he's my first fake crush I was like man I never knew that fairies could be that hot but, you know? but yeah I mean in darkness when it puts that in there it's like, it's like bam you look good in black puts that in there <laughs> which, is, which is what I tell every girl I meet <laughs> go to a girl I was like I like what you're wearing but you know what you look really good in black bam listen to Circa Oh, oh, oh see, man, that's I did me. It. I, I, I used the... <laughs> bring it full circle. Bring it full circle. All Literally. Right, so, <laughs> so I guess I guess my first uh, theory would be for heavy metal, right? Uh, yeah. Do we want to take a break before you get into that? Uh, do should we should be at the thirty uh, twenty minute mark. So really, yeah. Oh yeah, go yeah, on. You guys did about ten minutes each. Wow. Okay, so uh, so yeah, so my uh, the film I was chosen to uh, do a theory for was heavy metal, a fantastic animated anthology series. Um. So I there was there was a lot that I could have done with this, you know. Like I, I was I felt a little bit overwhelmed because you've got all these different stories, but then I realized you've got uh you've got that one unifying thing, which is the framing story. You have Lochnar. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Happy birthday, dude. This is why I just watched the microphone. God. Turk is holding up lights to his nipples and dancing around and singing Happy Birthday. To everybody that can't see what's going on. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. And, then, and then in the same breath, he's like, no, I don't want to set up a webcam for this. This should just be a podcast. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, so I Why'd you stop? I, I went to the... Uh, <laughs> I went to the uh, the optometrist and they said I have like a um, like a, sm- a small cataract in my eye, but it's like not near like the pupil or cornea, or whatever. <laughs> but I should probably start wearing some um, like the UV blocking glasses because I do a lot of you know work in front of the computer. Oh yeah. So I bought some. And they came with these little like blue light things. I guess to show that hey, this blocks most UV. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's great that you put those in, in your there. eye. 
But they're, they're these little, little, they look like little, like, dildo-looking light things. Yeah, I mean, because they, they're rounded in the top. Right? They're weird. Yeah. And so they look like they're little, like, rocket boobs or whatever. So <laughs> I just boobs. turned, I got two pairs of glasses. I got two of the little lights. I turned them on and then just started saying, happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> it's a natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> How could you not? It's, it's either that or I could, I could have, like, put it in from my crotch and be like, look at me. I'm Mr. Blue Light Dick. <laughs> it's like I have a blue light for a dick. <laughs> I thought you were trying to illuminate us. That always gets a laugh. Uh, but yeah, no, so, like, I was I was thinking, you know, what's, what's the unifying thing with all these different stories from the anthology, of course, you have that framing story where the green orb shows up at the house and is telling this this girl all these stories, right. and it's a, it's Lochnar. So, of course, that starts begging the question of what the hell exactly is Lochnar. And so, I started thinking about that and started trying to run with that. He describes himself at the beginning of the film as the sum of all evils. So, let's look at what happens with Lochnar throughout the course of these stories. He opens up people's darker nature. We see that in the Captain Stern story. That mm-hmm. uh, that the guy who's, like, testifying in favor of Captain Stern is, like, really nice until he starts playing with the spear and then, like, he opens up his darker nature and becomes Hanover Fist. Um, uh, let's see, what what else? You've got... Um, You've got the whole mob rule scene with the big the big battle. All that's instigated oh, by them. So basically, he he amplifies people's evil tendencies. And in the case of Hanover Fist, he also amplifies his physical capabilities. He makes him bigger and stronger. And and he turns Harry. Harry oh, I don't think he's saying say he turns, but the influence he has in the Harry Canyon story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the girl becomes greedy yep, and all yep, that kind of stuff. Yep. So he opens up Avarice, and of course, in Harry Canyon's case, he has no qualms with just shooting her. You know, so it's like he kind of removes that inhibition there. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is a great scene. Well, but you know, he'd done that before, before the lockout with the other oh, guy yeah, tried well, to rob yeah. him. He know? was just a cold hard bastard, but still. <laughs> um he didn't well, lose any sleep over it either. I love Harry Canyon. Oh, it's such a good story. And of course John Candy. Brilliant, brilliant. As the, as the cop. Yeah. You know, like, where's the girl? <laughs> <laughs> um So and what we also see throughout this is that He's not limited by time and space. He's like he's traveling through space. He's he's in different time periods and different points of history. Um, you know, he tells the girl of the story of uh, what's what's the character's name? I never remember the character's name. No, not Din. Um, which I mean, Din is uh, part of it, but uh, he tells her her own story. Tarna. Oh yeah, Tarna. He tells her about Tarna, and then she becomes Tarna mm-hmm. after he tells her about it. So he's obviously not limited by time itself. So I start thinking, okay. What is Lochnar? Where does it come from? And it occurred to me, well, if he's the sum of all evils, and if he amplifies people's capabilities and amplifies their evil natures, then there's only one other artifact I can think of that does that, and that would be the One Ring of Sauron. Because he, because I think he says near, he says like, look again in the future, my evil, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. So yeah, he's telling her like, yeah, I live for for a long time. Yeah. So I think it makes perfect sense that this is actually. The Ring of Sauron, because you see at the beginning of Lord of the Rings that it says the ring is lost to time. Eventually it gets found by Smeagol and it corrupts him and yada yada yada. But you have a lot of stuff, and if it gets lost into time, and if, as Lochnar, it can travel throughout time and space, then it just can fall into the time stream and just anything can happen. Ellen DeGeneres really let herself go. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> That's awful. You're an awful person. <laughs> Should be ashamed of yourself. It. I see it. I can too. That's the problem. <laughs> it's all sh- this showtime commercial. Jesus. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, that's a great show. And, and we've talked about Lord of the Rings because I've geeked out about it before. We talked about it that like 
you know, the ring doesn't always just make a person invisible. It does that for the halflings because they're not very powerful. But if right. something is inherently powerful, like Gandalf, he wouldn't go near the ring because it's not just going to turn him invisible. It'll he, knows, amp- he knows to stay away. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. No, please. Like, I'd, I'd love for you guys to contribute with this. Yeah. Um, but I, what you're saying with the, the whole thing with the halflings is that they're so peaceful and they try to avoid conflict. Because mm-hmm. even just going on that journey is like... I don't. I don't want to do this. I. Yeah. Why? You know. Why me? Pick someone else. This is not what I do. We try to avoid this stuff. So when they get something like that ring, they don't have any defense to it because they've never had to fight back against anything. Right. It, right. it corrupts them so easily. And the, tr- the truth is, you want a reluctant ruler, man. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the people that want it probably shouldn't. Oh, be yeah. There, and that's the problem I think we face with a lot of. Um, that. <laughs> that's a big reason why I'm an anarchist dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah no absolutely like their their reluctance and their lack of power is what makes them so much harder to corrupt and we've talked we talked about that on the, the episode with Bowyer my take on Lord of the Rings is that Sam was able to carry the ring throughout Mordor after Frodo got attacked by Shelob it's because he's so pure of heart that right. like the ring can't pull out that darker nature out of him as easily as it could someone else because he's just so pure of heart he's just such a, an inherently good character so, yeah, so that's that's my theory, that is that Lochnar is actually the Ring of Sauron. Once the ring gets lost to the ages of time, and before it falls into the river to be found by Smeagol, it just goes into the stream of time and space, travels throughout space, and it wakens everyone's darker nature everywhere it goes. Causes all that trouble. Yeah. So. I like it. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, and it, you know, when we get to, like, the, like, Tarna's end story, mm-hmm. it's... You could even say, because Tarna's end story, it turns into a sword and sorcery yeah. kind of thing. So it, it, it's almost uh, it's almost like that would lead into, yeah. you know, yeah. into the Lord of the Rings. Like, it could you just know, be in an area that, that we hadn't traveled to in that story. And, yeah. And since or, or maybe they did, we just didn't, you know. Yeah. yeah. And since we're playing fast and loose with the timeline, you know, is Lochnar the sum of all evils as created by Sauron, or did Lochnar put itself into the ring after Sauron made it? You could go either way with that. Right. I'm just saying there's there's got to be some kind of a connection there, because th- those are the only two things I can think of that not only, you know, are capable of making someone so much stronger and so much more capable, but also just making them a pure evil bastard. And yeah. so I, I think to kind of to solidify what you're saying, at the end of that, after he finished telling the little girl the story, the Tarna story, mm-hmm. he, the, the you know, the Lochnar is like, no, and then it breaks apart. But she hasn't destroyed it yet. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't. It, but it has been destroyed because it's been now tossed into, into, in, into the fire. Yeah, into the fires of doom. Right. So at that point, it's like he, it's, it knows what... It's being destroyed, but not by her and not at that time. It's almost like a Dr. Manhattan thing. It's existing in all these times Mm -hmm. at once because it's out of time. It's in time and out of time, you know, together. Because if we could turn back time, (laughs) if we could could find find a way. way. (laughs) Yeah, because, uh, and hearkening back to you guys' theories, it's like evil exists as, as this, like, solid, definite thing. So there, there you go. You know, and, and when we were talking, we were talking about the green worm. I started thinking about the Lapis Exilis thing again. The, oh yeah, the color green. Uh huh. Like, it's envy. You know, like uh, yeah, it's oh yeah, it's, it's all yeah. coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> but yeah, see, that was why I jumped on the heavy metal one because as soon as we started talking about it, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I yeah. can build a theory out of this. <laughs> no, I like it. It makes sense. All right. So uh, before we jump into our next batch of theories. I think this is a good time for us to break for an ad. Yeah, I'm good with that. So uh, see, see how much it makes sense to uh, partake of these 
sundry goods, ladies and gentlemen. We always make it seem like like we've got tons of ads. It's always the same one. <laughs> you know? I still I, I still don't know what that fucking dog. I'm, I'm dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm being nice. I can't keep calling it it or a thing because we've gotten some bits like it's an animal. You should treat it like it. Like you'd have to see it. You'd have to see it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not you know? saying it doesn't look weird. Holy shit! Even Mortensen's not aging well. I'm not it, saying it doesn't look weird. I'm just saying. It's not a turtle. <laughs> Whenever it rains, it howls. It oh. howls at the rain. Because they're keeping it outside in the rain. I swear. It's pure evil. I swear. <laughs> after it rains, it looks bigger. The first couple of days after it rains, it looks bigger. That's what she said. <laughs> it's like one of those spongy things that you <laughs> add water. <laughs> That's not like water. St- mine shaped like a stegosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Ribbed for her pleasure. Ew. You know, I'm just being totally quiet through this. Not giving in. Not giving in. Oh shit! Now, it's the uh, uh, Duran Duran record cover. I am yeah, not giving it. in to your to your Lochnar influence. <laughs> I am Lochnar. Oh my gosh! Was that Boy George? That yeah. was Boy George. <laughs> Hideous. And none of these people are aging well. Cindy Crawford looked pretty good. Apparently, it's some kind of documentary on Duran Duran, so I will be watching. Look at Simon Le Bon. Yeah. Looks like he's had too many Simon Le Bon bonds. It, it, it had that. Uh, it had the Rio album. Yeah. So yeah, love that album cover. Love Nagel. Oh yeah, most definitely. All right, so I'll be watching this because I do love me some Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh yeah, well, dude. Great. You didn't know I love Duran Duran. Duran Duran's yeah. the shit, they're, yo. They're I just never got into them. Oh, Rio, Rio. I love me some Reflex, man. Oh man, Reflex is good. It's a lonely child, but I mean, I'd be there to comfort it. You're hungry, <laughs> like the wolf. Oh, I am. Oh, look at Niles Rogers. We're just like rambling and talking about shit and everything. Yeah. Let's go to our ad. <laughs> this this is why I always miss the ad breaks when I'm editing these. <laughs> because there's no empty spot on the timeline. Or maybe you should just listen to the podcast like I do. Ain't nobody got time for that. I apparently do. <laughs> <laughs> what you do with your life on your time is none of my business. I'm Turk 182. I got all the time in the world. I'm so busy. <laughs> All right, so we good? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm still gonna miss this, but <laughs> yeah, so we're back. Wait, um, wait, we haven't we haven't actually broken yet. <laughs> oh, that, I thought you were asking if we were ready for that to be the break. No, I you, thought that's you, I thought that's what you meant. Too, you you know. told us we need I silence. We were back. You said we need silence in there, but, so you know where to find the break. Yeah, I had a little strip of silence there. I, okay, I fine. That's fine. We're back. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> God, Turk would just quit backseat driving here. <laughs> You missed the exit. It was back. And slow down. You gonna make me spill my Watch how you turn them corners and call me. You gonna make me spill my yak. I, I like how your backseat driving voice is just your horny school janitor. Hey, you goddamn kids! Keep it under forty-five miles an hour. I can't jack off when you go faster than forty-five miles an hour. I'll turn this thing around. I'm not talking about the car. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Trying to tint these windows back here. <laughs> this is leather, right? <laughs> Naga hides a lot harder to clean. <laughs> I heard a janitor somehow has turned into like Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> I, I would absolutely have him voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> hey, you goddamn kids! <laughs> what are you doing running in the hall? What's it? What's it? What are you? What's it? I, I, I don't even know 
anymore. <laughs> you almost have to squint to do his voice right. You have to. I, you, I you, have I cataracts. Have to. <laughs> it's not my fault. Stop tracking my doors. I'm trying to crank one off on my lunch break. Have a cracker. Have a cracker. Have a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, no, so, so theories, guys. So what do we? Who's starting this one off? Shot people. Let's talk it. <laughs> I guess it's me, like, because I'm the last. Uh, this is the last one. We only yeah. did two apiece, right? Yeah. Like, um, my my theory is like weak as shit. Yeah, for this next one, but this it's all good. yeah, this isn't. So as well, as you, we, we had what? Like, some of us had like 24 hours to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> Others had like like three days. But it, it's you know that's what makes it so intense. Um, yeah, like we we picked out the first ones a long time ago, so we had more time on the first one. I think those I, are all it, the best. I, I still couldn't come up with anything. It, mine's still like whatever. <laughs> I came up with the first 30 minutes of thinking about it. All right, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start it off. You gave me True Romance. Yeah. Uh, good Akomi, movie. Akomi gave me True Romance. We, and it is a good movie. And it made it even harder for me because it is such a good movie. And I do love it. And I know that's, it so well. That's why I did it. Was I knew it would not be as easy as you might initially it, think. It was not. It was not easy. <laughs> but I, I think that I've put something together that... It was like okay if you if you squint real hard and like look at it through like you're looking at, at an eclipse like at the shadow of a pinhole you know that <laughs> uh, that it works but um, true romance uh, you know the story of Clarence and Alabama and their whirlwind like romance that leads them all throughout the the world and everything else um, that uh, true romance is not a real story. Hmm. So one thing about well, true romance, clearly it's fiction, but right. <laughs> one thing about true romance is that it, you know, it's if you watch it, you know, it doesn't really take place in any particular time period because there's like no cell phones or anything. But it doesn't feel like it's out of place. Like you watch it nowadays, and it feels mm-hmm. like a regular movie. You know, it's not like anything's missing. Um, true romance is not a real story; it's a fantasy. Hmm. True romance is the fantasy that's playing in Travis Bickle's head from Taxi Driver. Huh. Okay. So his whole fascination with Jodie Foster's character and trying to rescue her and save her. So you know she's a young girl prostitute that you know is being that's owned well owned but you know uh, works for this this pimp. I guess owned. I mean he's a pimp, right? Um, by this pimp played by Harvey Keitel, uh, and that um, you know, and he character. and you know, Travis Bickle. You know, this former, uh, like a Vietnam vet, a former Vietnam, he's a Vietnam vet, is, uh, you know, is trying to save her. Mm-hmm. And, and he does, he becomes like a, like a hero, maybe, because that, that ended kind of ambiguous. He, he, you know, because yeah. then he's back to like the job. So it's like, did he save her? Did he not? So, true romance is actually the fantasy that's playing in his head as to what's happening, what he's doing, and what his life is going to be like. Hmm. So if we take like making Jodie Foster like older and stuff like with her in right. Alabama, yeah, right. So so he is obviously um, he he's obviously a Clarence uh, Clarence Worley, and uh, yeah, he's he's got a funny name. Um, <clears throat> so he's he's Clarence Worley. Clarence wears a uh, a green like army jacket, yeah, a green military jacket. So that's the connection between him and Travis. That's how he's seeing himself. Now, he meets a girl, a very nice, sweet, lovely, young blonde girl who is, works for a pimp that she doesn't really want to work for. He's kind of a rough brute, and he's going to save her. 
He falls in love with her, she falls in love with him, and he's going to save her from this life. And how does he save her? Or try to save her? He goes and decides he's going to kill her pimp. Yeah. Same thing that Travis does. He goes and he's going to kill her pimp, and which he does. I'm trying to give me a minute. I'm trying to try to pull up something here because I need to... Uh, um, he's Googling his theory. And I'm not What's... Googling my theory. <laughs> it's but, almost like uh, Worley, like it's it's his uh, version of um, uh, Tyler Durden. Tyler hmm. Durden, Durden and his... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> So and Roll. and he's like throughout uh, throughout uh, True Romance, he's being uh, he's being you know, talked to by his mentor, yeah. who has a very strong like Elvis vibe. Elvis died a year later. The movie came out in '76. Elvis died in '77. Huh. Right. So, but you know, at that time, Elvis had I think he had just done his last like big concert thing, whatever. But he was still kind of a like a big news. Um, there's a uh, if you look at the picture of uh, Harvey Keitel's character in True Romance. Um, sport he he's got this kind of like thing about him with the long hair and the hat uh, you could almost need do you know who plays elvis yeah yeah uh Val yeah Valcomer, who's just just called like mentor i think in the credits um that's so cool yeah it is it's pretty awesome uh, but uh so it's the whole thing is in his head they go and they go in this kind of uh, he takes her uh to Clarence takes Alabama, you know, to this whole thing, you know, because uh, they're going to, you know, well, it's got the whole Coke thing or whatever. But that's all, like I said, this whole fantasy of I'm saving you from this lifestyle. I'm getting mm-hmm. you away from all the evil things. In the end, you know, we fall in love and we have a we have a kid and I'm, Elvis is my mentor and we have this kid named Elvis. It all lines up with what's going on in his life. The You know, him being a loner. Clarence is a loner. You know, he doesn't really have any friends. He, uh, you know, he goes to the movies on his birthday by himself. He tries to he meets a girl and he wants to take her to the movies and he goes and she's like, You wanna take me to a kung fu film? She's like, No, thank you. That <laughs> no, is I want to take you to three kung, kung fu, fu films. <laughs> <laughs> that is his uh Bickle's first rejection with um Silver Shepherd. Thank you. Silver Shepherd's character when he takes her to the porno, right? Yeah. It's something she's not into and she's like, Oh, why would you take me here? Same thing with this girl. Another it's blonde that he goes to take the thing and it's like, here's something I really like or I have an interest in, yet you don't like you're like you're disgusted by the fact that I want to take you there. And mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't you know, to be honest, you might not be, I wonder if you talk to Grant Tarantino if he would say, because the more you're talking about it, Makes me wonder if he was influenced by that movie. Because, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he be? Yeah. So, Seems like it was up his alley. So when Clarence goes and meets um, and meets Lee Donowitz, right? Mm-hmm. And they're watching dailies in his hotel. And he's like, yeah, these are dailies from Coming Home in a Body Bag 2. Uh, and he's like, you know, what is, the, what, is, what, is, what is Sue like or whatever? She's like, uh, so the title is like uh, Body Bag 2. He's like, you know, I've got more taste of my penis, right? <laughs> but, and, and then they have that conversation. It's like, you know, it's like, this is like, you know, I, my uncles, whatever, were all in Vietnam. And they say, this is the most authentic movie about Vietnam, coming home in a body bag. It should have won Academy Awards. Travis Bickle, Vietnam vet, right? So that whole thing is still there playing his head, not getting the respect that was due to him. So mm-hmm. in his mind, he's craving that. He's craving that respect, which is also part of the whole hero thing, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, you, I did this whole thing here. You know, I won the day for, for capitalism and democracy, but I come home and you guys don't give me any respect for putting my life on the line and dealing with all this shit that's, that's now stuck in my head. You know, why don't any of you just recognize me for the hero that I am? You don't really know whether he enlisted or if he was drafted. At least I don't recall them saying, but he was there nonetheless. Right. right. So in true romance is like here, someone recognizes that, right? And they're saying, you know, hey, 
you know, what you did, you know, we, we respect that. And, you know, and, you know, I'm sorry for all the shit you had to do, but thank you for, for doing it. Thank you for your service. Right, right. And that's the whole thing. All of that is playing out in his head throughout the movie. That So everything in true romance is his fantasy of what's actually going on in his real life. Mm. Up until him killing the pimp to save the girl to fall in love. <laughs> and all the and everything that stands in his way to achieve that. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I like that. Lines up. Thank you. I like that a lot. I had to squeeze that together at the last minute, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Um Yeah, because yeah, that bitch runs her goddamn mouth so much. <laughs> if she wasn't so good in bed, I swear. I just one of these days. <laughs> You see, like, I I figured the low-hanging fruit would have been something with regards to the mentor. Because I think that, like, if you pitched most people to say, hey, come up with a theory for true romance, they would want to come up with something about the mentor. Right. Whether it's, like, he's actually the devil or something like that. And I knew you weren't just going to go for that, and that's why I threw that your way. I I almost made, I almost work on a theory that Floyd was, like, the hero of the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so there was, there, was another, there was another thing I was going to work on, but it, it, it was so hard to make work, um, which is there's, there's two versions of the movie. There's the theatrical version and, and the, um, the director's version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the difference between the two of them is the, um, the, one of the main differences. I think the, the fight scene between um, uh, Alabama and James Gandolfini's character is a little shorter. Yeah. Because I think yeah. when she kills him in the theatrical version, she only pulls a shotgun, the trigger once. And the the director's cut, she pulls the trigger, I think, two times when she shoots him. And yeah. then in the end, in the in the director's cut, she kills uh, Chris Penn's character. As where in the theatrical, uh, there was something with the producer like, oh, we don't like the idea of her killing this cop or whatever. And it's like, but she's already killed this other guy. It's like, yeah, but that's different. Yeah. And it's um, the guy behind the couch. I can't think of the actor's name. He was he's been a lot of a uh, uh, lot of uh, movies and TV shows or whatever. Uh, Victor. I think it's Victor something I can't think of. Anyway, uh, he's the guy before his like dying breath, he shoots and, and kills Chris Penn. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, well, if you take the oh, two he's of the guy those, from Die Hard, right? The, the blonde headed guy. No, 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 no. This was the guy that was in um, uh, that was in uh, like the Invisible Man TV series with Vincent uh, Ventresca, and uh, he's been in tons of stuff. Wasn't he the guy that was Thor in Adventures of Babysitting? Uh, hmm. I, don't remember. Kind of looks. Uh, well, I, I remember it mentioning the babysitting briefly. Yeah. Um, Rue McClanahan as a blind teacher. Oh, I, I kept thinking she looks so familiar. Oh, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I was thinking about about doing something um, with that whole like whole time thing because during several times in True Romance, Alabama's watching TV or the TV is on. And the movie playing on TV is Free Jack hmm. with uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, uh, Mick Jagger, Rene Russo, and Emilio Estevez. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. But the whole thing is Emilio Estevez's character is like a race car driver. He like spins out and crashes and burns to death in this, in this crash. And Rene Russo is his wife. In the future, Anthony Hopkins' character creates this whole thing. This, there's this, this technology called Free Jacking where basically... You can, um, like, basically steal like a, a person's body from the past, like right the moment before they that they were going to die. So you're not disrupting the timeline, and bring them into the present, and it basically download your consciousness into that person. <laughs> so, uh, and it's called free jacking. It's against the law, and uh, it happens with Emilio Estevez's character. 
and in, he's being hunted down by Mick Jagger. And anyway, so it turns out that Anthony Hopkins had fallen in love with Renee Russo, who works with him, and she he knew that because of him being old and his body like is failing or whatever, she would never love him. But he rescued her husband for the moment before um, his crash, like before before you know he crashed and burned, so no one knew that his body was missing, and uh, was going to transfer his consciousness into Emilio's body so he could be with Renee Russo. But he somehow escaped before then and all that. Hmm. And so I was thinking, well. Because that movie just keeps popping up on TV throughout, like, True Romance, yeah. that maybe there's, like, a little freejacking going on to change the timeline, uh-huh. right, to where Clarence didn't die and then only lost an eye because he makes, the, she makes that reference in the end, just like, you know, you know, sometimes Clarence asked me, you know, what would happen if that bullet had, you know, been, like, two or three inches more to the, you know, to the left, and, and I say, you know, I would mourn and I would give all my life and blah, blah, but, yeah. you know, maybe I wouldn't have named our son Elvis, well, maybe that's what happened. Maybe he did die. Maybe that bullet uh, did kill him. Okay. And, but I just, I, because Free Jacking didn't quite work like that, I couldn't really make it work. But I always thought it was weird that movie is playing on different TVs. And it's at dinner, different intervals, too. Yeah, So yeah. it's almost like it's like on a constant repeat. Right. Uh, it's just kind of weird that's on TV. There's There's got to be some reason for that. It has to just be. Just don't know what it would be. God damn, Dr. Christmas Jones. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, how about it, Wall Crawler? What's your theory? Leon the Professional, like uh, Turk gave it to me. Um, I haven't seen it since I was it was in theaters. Hmm. And like um, I had to basically like Cliff Notes it right. or Wikipedia, you know, modern Cliff Notes. Like uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Wikipedia, modern Cliff Notes, <laughs> Wikipedia's notes. <laughs> I, I like uh, I was reading about it, and I, I mean, I remember a lot about it, but I forgot a lot about it too. And it's easy. The easy thing is to say. Leon's a pedophile <laughs> because in the French version there was a little bit more maybe playing up where he maybe had a, more of an affection um uh, you know Natalie Portman's kind of known for that she was very she's known uh, for pedophilia no, well Natalie well no but, <laughs> scandal but, but the thing is she you don't she, rape a hamster <laughs> you just gotta use lots of duct tape <laughs> like uh no the thing about Natalie Portman is that you ever seen beautiful is it Beautiful Girls? Beautiful Girls, yeah. yeah. What, what, like Timothy Hutton or one of them? Um, it's got a, it's got a bunch of people yeah, in there. Yeah, where the where the guy he this girl is younger and he's older. She wants to wait for him to, so she can be the appropriate age, but he knows that she'd be missing out on his life, and that's not right for him to do. And hmm. it, she's basically been in that role before, and right. so it's like, uh, and and she like she's always been beautiful, and you knew she was going to be beautiful, so it's like that's not beyond the realm. I mean, you know, that's not appropriate to have those type of thoughts. So like, you're not thinking that. But you know, one day she will be. Yeah, I mean, Natalie Portman. You know, it's just, like, just I mean, it's just the same way you look at ugly people. Like you're going to be a fucking ugly when you grow up. And you're yeah. never. You know I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, ugly duckling is just a storybook. You're going to look like that you're, forever. You're, you're ugly now, and you're always going to be ugly, and you're filthy, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you deserve where you are. Why did I hear that in Danny DeVito's voice? <laughs> you're but ugly like, and disgusting. You'll always be ugly and disgusting. Have you seen? Have you seen his wife? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh come on! Okay. Rhea Prom is cute. Oh, I gotta, but like, um, Google that. You've seen Rhea Prom in Cheers. Their kids cute. I never yeah, watched Cheers. Their daughters. She's all right. I just know Danny DeVito's a saint. He's too good for this world. He, I love. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. But like, basically, that so, was the. You said her. The, no, never mind. Uh, so, sorry. Oh god. <sighs> Were you gonna name Natalie Portman Philadelphia? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
know it's no. her. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna pull a, a force, what? I was gonna pull Free a Jack. force gum thing. <laughs> I was gonna pull a force gum thing, but I just, I talked myself out of it. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, yeah, I know this trick. So, basically, like, that's easy. And actually, like I said, like when I was reading about it, the French version, maybe there was a little bit more going on, or she was maybe a little bit older, but like, anyway. Like, like, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a little more implied in that one. Um, you know, I like my girls a little bit older. But, 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 like the. I just want to use your love tonight. <laughs> but the thing is, is like in the story, Leon, his story is, is that he was in love with a woman, and her father was like a kind of a gangster, and he didn't like that they were together. So naturally, what does he do? He kills his own daughter, and so he can't have her. So he comes back over Naturally, here and becomes a, yeah, yeah. He becomes a cleaner and like, um, like, like basically a hitman. And so he's a loner and the way they kind of betray him in the movie, he's kind of a loner, doesn't want anything to do with anybody. He does his job and that's pretty much what he's all about. Well, I, 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 just, just here, I would say he doesn't want to have anything to do with it, but, but, uh, Tony keeps telling him not to. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's like, he's like, you don't want to get, you know, involved or whatever. That's why you're here. That's why you're doing this. It's like, you know, just. You know, stay away from people because you, because you, you're young, you're fragile, you don't know too much, you're gonna get hurt. You know, yeah, yeah. He he, pur- he, he purposely isolates him, and they kind of, and maybe the language differences or whatever. I mean, I know he could speak English and everything, but it's like the cultural. He he maybe wasn't as comfortable, and like they kind of played him not stupid, but a little bit. He's um, very naive. Yeah, yeah, he's naive. Let's put it that way. He's naive. So that kind of makes it so he's less rapey. Like uh, so so like he so he basically like Gary Oldman the crazy, um, cop character he kills the family of Matilda and like she um she needs somebody to look after him and even Leon's thinking hey I might uh take this chick out she's just gonna bring me down but he kind of takes her on the wing and like kind of shows her the way of being a cleaner <laughs> and like um so because... my my in the original trailer I was reading about it and this is where my theory comes from. They used the 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 theme song for Lil Femme, Nikita, and then I was thinking, knowing you don't know what this girl's family's from, maybe she's got Russian. So basically, like when Leon dies protecting her, and he's already shown her some of the training, that's what she becomes. She ends up over there to further her training, and all she has to do is put on an accent, <laughs> you know, and learn Russian, so she could be part of that program. And become a La Femme Nikita, basically. Right. Huh. Like, uh, that's pretty much where I, where I went with it. Nice. Yeah. And I was going to say, because, you know, to add on to what you were saying, when she goes knocking on his door, he isn't quick to open it up like, oh, hey. Because, I mean, he knows the family's dead. He's heard the gunshots. He's not stupid. Yeah. And she goes knocking on his door. He's not like, hey, this is my opportunity to grab this little girl and bring her into the house. It's yeah. Like, and and he, he he contemplates for the longest time, and it's not until she begs and she's crying yeah. that he lets her in. And then even then he's like, "Okay, you can't you can't stay here for long, you know." It's yeah. like just until and and all that. So you kind of you kind of cramping my style here, like it in my murder <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. Like uh, the, and the, the, I was thinking the about the plant doesn't like you. Well, I was thinking like, you know, what do you work with the crazy cop or or, or like Leon? He wouldn't have had sex with. The family that's killed wife. He's not that type of guy. Cause it, and and I was thinking also like maybe kind of going with um, he kind of saw in her the family he didn't get to have with the woman that he lost. Right. But but that's just too. It's not a. So the Nikita. 
we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I can see that. You know, the, the girl that that loses everything kind of finds herself a new kind of adopted father type thing because I think the the relationship is more played up. I think on her end than on his, as where he's just lonely and I don't want to say naive, not maybe more naive in that in that fashion. Mm-hmm. She's the one that goes downstairs and tells like the hotel clerk, you know, oh he's not my father, you know, you know he's my he's my my lover and gets them kicked out. Yeah. And, he, and he's, he's he's like, what did you do that for? It's like you know like yeah and and, and so that that whole thing is like seems more on her end, but yeah, she loses like. You know, all these people, you know, within a little while and the, the one guy that, you know, like took her and kind of showed her how to be like independent, you know, so yeah. I didn't and and then died for her on top of all that. Yeah. Um, hmm. And and then she was like, yeah, so I can see her wanting, you know, like wanting to get revenge, wanting to do this. And then all of a sudden, since like because she she even says in, in the um, in the movie, I didn't give a shit about any of them except for my baby brother. He was the only person I cared about. Yeah. And they killed him. Yeah. So the only like person she has to look up to is Leon. So why not carry on his profession? Exactly. Why and not carry on his name? Yeah, that was the thing. You didn't have a lot of material to work with because all the people in it are pretty terrible. I mean, even he, Leon himself. I mean, his, I mean, he's not really a good guy per se. I mean, he's a murderer. So it's like, but you're sympathetic towards him. And no then women, the, no kids, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's, and I remember like in the movie, I want to watch it again. Assassin. But but I just haven't um, seen it in a while. I want to go back and watch it. I have to say, I don't really, really, I'm not really down with the whole no women, no kids theory. That rule. These hands bisexual, huh? These hands bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, figuring like my hands, my hands will finger you and jack you off, whatever, whatever needed. My hands are bisexual. At first, I thought you were talking about the guy on the screen because he had the robot hands. Uh, no man, I, I like to throw these hands. I like to fight. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> these hands are bisexual. <laughs> what did um, you say to her? I don't know. I already told her she's got two black eyes already. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that uppercut's gonna hurt coming up from one knee, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I was I was thinking, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> No, it's just, yeah, I'm just, I mean, there's some women that are downright fucking evil. Oh, yeah. Evil geniuses, for example. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to tell you, it's like, hey, I got this chick needs to be taken out. No, sorry, no women, no kids. She's evil. <laughs> yeah. No women, no kids. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> no women, no kids. <laughs> and you're useless to me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some fucking evil kids, too. There's some evil ass kids in the world. Yeah, Damien. Well, the beyond him. <laughs> Nemo. That's omen backwards. But you need <laughs> stepchild. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, What's yours, man. So me. Uh, so uh, Wallcrawler picked for me uh, Gremlins, which I had never seen before. Uh, I'd seen Critters, but never Gremlins. Weird. Wow, you picked Why? the right one in the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't choose to watch Critters. That was uh, that was Wesley Camelot and Overton. They were like, guys, let's watch Critters today. So that's the only reason I even saw that. Although, the whole shotgun scene where the little alien's like, shit! That's, that's pretty hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, no, I watched it. I liked it. And there were a lot, again, kind of like heavy metal, there were a lot of like possible directions I, I was thinking about taking theories. Because looking at 
the way the Mogwai reproduce, I kind of saw a connection to, like, Tribbles. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, wouldn't be the same, like, genus or anything, but, like, possibly common ancestry. Um, and if... <laughs> the same genus? <laughs> pulling out the big words today. <laughs> Isn't that when a penis comes out of a genus plant? <laughs> No, that's a vaginus. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I am the vaginus of the lamb. <laughs> no, I think that comes out of a fleshlight. You're the fleshlight and the vaginus comes out. That's not the way you're supposed to rub it. <laughs> well, break out the oil, break out the oil. You're doing nope. it all wrong. <laughs> this don't feel so good. Why, why, why was it Edith Bunker who's coaching you how to use a flashlight? You're not doing it right, Archie. <laughs> Hey, oh, 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 I just don't know. I stifle yourself, Edith. I know what I'm doing here. I'm going to put my meathead in here. <laughs> oh, Lord. Every time you rub a lamp, Robin Williams gets an erection. <laughs> Let's not speak ill of the great Robin Williams. Okay, Will Smith. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I was in a lamp the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I felt a couple hands coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's this good stuff. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> good content. Um, but yeah, but then like, <laughs> but then I also thought that like, well, after after the Mogwai change into the Gremlins, that like. They uh, they look kind of similar to um, both the goblins from Troll 2, but they also look pretty close to Tantor the Troll from Ernest Scared Stupid. So it's like, could there be some connection there? And I just, I couldn't get enough to actually make a sound theory out of all that. Oh, thank God, because you're going to try to connect the gremlins to the trolls from Troll 2. One thing I have to say is, oh my God! <laughs> Nilbog? <laughs> That's goblin backwards! But... You named this town. Okay. <laughs> but no, um, what wound up striking me more than anything out of that entire movie was actually the mom, Lynn. Lynn Peltzer. Um, you gotta think for Mills. Yeah, man. No, no. <laughs> because she's such a badass. Oh, she is. Total badass. And it's so different than any other 80s movie mom that you see. Because typically when you think of like a mother or a wife in a movie where there's some kind of a predator-type figure coming after them, you picture, like, Wendy from The Shining. Yeah. Of, like, I'm gonna clutch this bat in the middle and blubber and sob and just kind of, like, whiff it through the air. <laughs> no, Jack! Like, that's that's kind of, like, what I was expecting here when the gremlins hatch and start coming after her. But no, this chick grabs a fucking kitchen knife... She grabs a folding chair for a shield, and she just goes to town on these things. She goes ham on them, and she kills all but one of them, which just happened to have the element of surprise. Is that the one from the the Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jumps out of the Christmas tree. And, I mean, shit, she was holding her own on that. It's not like it was going to kill her. She just, you know... And she wasn't afraid. She pushed the one to microwave. Oh, yeah. She, She ran the one through the blender, and she went ham on these things. And after she lost the folding chair, she just grabbed another knife and started dual wielding. Yeah. This, I mean, this chick went ham on these things, and she probably would have killed the other one and killed Stripe if Billy hadn't gotten involved. So, figured I'd I'd fixate on this a little bit and start building a theory around her. So, 
If I didn't have a thing for MILFs before, I do now, thanks to her. <laughs> you, <laughs> oh, you did. Mul- multiple times throughout that scene, I had that Wayne's World moment of like looking at the camera. Oh, I love this woman. <laughs> so... MILFs, it doesn't got my good. <laughs> <laughs> she will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Don't worry, Miss Pelter. I eat after midnight. <laughs> So my, theory, so my theory is that she actually has a crush on me, guys. I'm going to go talk to her. No, no. Um, so my take on this is that she has to have some kind of a background here because she conducted herself better than pretty much anybody in any movie with any conflict that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, like, especially in, like, and Gremlins isn't really a horror movie. It just has some horror elements. Right. But, I mean, as far as, like, just horror movie tropes, she conducted herself really well. She held her own really well. It is, it is a very anti- uh, Anti Santa Claus movie though, pretty much. But hey, that's fine. Yeah, you know. I'm good with that. I mean, if you if you read the Lobo Christmas special, Santa's kind of a douche. You so. can't spell San- Satan without Santa. <laughs> <laughs> but but you named Santa. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so my so I started having to to wonder. Okay, how how did she get this proficient? At dispatching these little monsters. My guess is, is that she has some kind of background training here. Probably special forces, honestly. Because, I mean, she's not just doing well with bladed weapons. She's doing well with a variety of fighting styles here. We have sword and board. We have dual wielding. She she threw one. She, she did a lot here. As well as, like, ambush stuff. So she's got to have some type of training to warrant that. So... It doesn't get a whole lot more complicated than that, other than I think that she has some kind of special forces training in her background. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's kind of a weak-ass theory as far as that goes. I was trying some way to figure out that maybe she's like an ancestor of Ripley's or something, because, I mean, they, they don't look entirely dissimilar from each other, and, like, that would be cool, but that I couldn't... That would be kind of cool. I couldn't find a way to actually make that, like, a theory with any kind of evidence, other than going, oh, hey, what if... They just right. take the, the time thing yeah. with the other one and just oh, yeah. end up in <laughs> Lo- the future. Lochnar. Yeah. Lochnar fucked around with the timeline, yeah. so... <laughs> well, uh, see, well, you know, Dick Miller is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually makes an appearance in Griblins too. You could probably follow him as a trail to connect them all the way to, if you wanted to. Uh, so that's a thought. Well, I came really close to making my... Uh, making my theory about the neighbor, uh, Mr. Futterman, about his wife. Because that was the chick from the original, that's uh, Jackie Joseph. So she played Audrey in the original Little Shop of Horrors, the black and white film. So I thought about making a connection with that. But again, they're like, A, I'm pretty sure she died at at the end of that. I'm trying to remember. But also, like, that's there wasn't enough to really build up a full theory here. But... I mean, whether you're just functioning on, here's what a person does in an actual emergency situation, or whether you're working off of, in a horror movie, people make stupid mistakes and they die. That's just, like, the trope. People are kind of dictated by tropes. Yeah, And even if you're you're looking at something like Cabin in the Woods, where it's like there's an outside source causing these tropes to happen, these things are happening for a reason. And she breaks that trope. Wide open. So, yeah, that was was the only thing I could think of. But I, I tried so hard... And the entire time we were prepping for this, I, I was, like, reading through, all, like, every article I could find on Ripley to find some kind of a connection, and I just couldn't. So, yeah. So, that's that's all I've got for that. No, I, I, that's not bad. That's not bad at no. all. Because, I mean, she, she, is, she is pretty tough. 
It's a great and, scene. Yeah, and, and, and it is a great scene. But yeah, she she's a she's a pretty strong character, and she doesn't flinch. I mean, it's one of those where it's it's almost kind of like the uh, from dusk till dawn, where Seth is like, you know, I don't believe in vampires, you know, but I believe in what I just saw, and what I just saw were fucking vampires, right? And it's just like like I don't believe in this, but I know what just happened, so. Yeah, I'm not going to question it. But like, these things don't exist. Like, yep, nope. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, your little Mogwai thing turned into this deal. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, she she doesn't miss a beat. She just, like, grabs the knife and she's like, welcome to the rice field. Here we go. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my kitchen! <laughs> Instant mom mood. Oh, yeah. So good. So, yeah. I didn't know Clancy Brown was in this. Like we're watching them Starship Troopers on the TV. Are you yeah. kidding me? He's the he's the hero of the day. I did. I did. I didn't remember it, man. Like I don't think I knew who he was back then. You know. Oh, okay. How do you guys? Except recognize- Kirk Kurgan, but I think I saw that later. How do you guys recognize these male actors when there's tits on screen? Uh, well, that just honest- happened to happen. Like I was waiting for you guys to finish. I, <laughs> that that just happened when I was, there was a free moment to talk. And I, and I I don't mean to say anything bad uh, about them because uh, are you about to tit shame Turk? I was just gonna How say, could they take a shower with them and not? Um, it seems sex. like there'd be it's some like, tip touching going on. No, that's that's against, <laughs> that's, against the, that's against the rules. There, I mean, you're supposed to be, you know, be a, uh, carry yourself as an officer. But anyway, <laughs> stand at attention, just like that. There you go. Anyway, I, I always did her care her as an actress. Uh, see, I think she was in a Dragonheart. And uh, she was in the Birds of Prey TV series, and she played Oracle. Hmm. And then they like they did the flashbacks of her in the Batgirl uniform. She was pretty cool. And I always liked her as an actress. Boobs aren't really that great, really hidden for me, you know. So I think that's when I'm like, oh yeah. Plus, Clancy Brown is not in the shower scene, by the way. Just Jake no, Busey. No, no, no. And I could have, I could have stood to have seen a little bit more Jake Busey. Just oh, saying, okay. it's Jake Busey, dude. I mean, I love Jake Busey. Uh, but uh, anyway, Clancy Brown. Um, in uh in this yeah he's uh uh zim he's the drill instructor but he wants to join the war and the guy tells him the only way you're gonna um join this battle is if you bust yourself down to private and he does and he's the one that captures the the brain bug in the end and and you know they say it's like you know everyone's gonna remember this that you know this was all won by a private named zim Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's kind of amazing. Look at this. This is pretty much what today is like, where they're talking on the monitors, mm-hmm. and people are like uh, skyping basically, and like they had the tablets on their their desk. You know, yeah, it's like that's that's pretty. Uh, that thing's touch screen. None of that stuff was going on back when it was made. Every time you say Zim, I just think about Invader Zim. <laughs> I think I might actually have a a, a, <laughs> a mind blowing event for you. Um, yeah, I just I just got I got double check before I start running my mouth off on a you know on that's a podcast. What she said. God damn, Denise Richards. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she don't look like that anymore. I think she Ricky still looks Zam- good. Man, Ricky I Zambora would... did a number on her. Yeah. Ricky Zambora? He's with her now. Is he? Yeah. Because he was with... Because um, they... Was it uh, Locklear and her were good friends? And like um, basically like he's with her now. Because he, when he broke up. Heather Locklear's like lost her mind, hadn't she? Yeah. But uh, you know, you know, she. I think Charlie Sheen is the one that put her on a downward spiral. Sure, well, and he put everybody. Guy, I was about to just about to say. I feel like Charlie Sheen puts everybody in a downward that spiral. That guy can't. He can't touch anything without corrupting it. It's a damn shame. He used to be a really good actor. We were talking about it last night. Like supposedly he's the one that um, Corey Haim. You know, he got molested. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what people pretty much are saying. It was uh-huh. him on Lucas. Wow. I mean, I don't know if that's, but that's what. 
That's pretty much Corey Feldman pretty much said it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a damn shame. But anyway, um, so where are we where are we going to? Who's next? Is it uh, is it UWC? Uh, well, I think we that was two for yeah, each we, of us, we, right? We, yeah. we all did them. Yeah, oh, really? We're done. We're done. Yeah. Oh, okay. And hey, we're an hour and ten minutes in, so that's like perfect. What? Yeah, it's the perfect length. Well, this that's what she right, said. This this isn't right. We 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 actually got one in on time. Uh, well, I mean, if you count ten minutes over on time, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I do. That sounded a lot bitchier than I meant for it to. I apologize. <laughs> I like that. Um, you don't apologize at all. You said what you meant, and you, you said it, and you did it. Wow, I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool deal. Awesome. Yeah. So there we go. That was uh, that was some more film theories, everybody. And uh, I got one more. Starship Trooper is ants in space. <laughs> it's in space. Not really a. Hey. Theory. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah, not not really, not really a theory. <laughs> bugs life. A bugs life. What in a, space. What a, whatever. A bugs life in space. I'd watch it. Um, but yeah, no, this this was a lot of fun. This is always a really enjoyable challenge, and I, I kind of like it because like it forces me to watch movies that I otherwise would have put off watching a lot longer. So. You know, I'm, I'm, I always enjoy that. I'm, did you I'm, like Gremlins? Oh, I, yeah. No, you, I, did, you did, yeah. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I Gremlins, I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah, Gremlins is a cool movie. Yeah. You know what I always thought was really cool about Gremlins when you watch that opening scene? That the main guy, his, um, he's an artist. Yeah. He was drawing that. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, God, what is it? Is it... Is it American Dad or is it Family Guy? No, it it's uh, it's Futurama. Shit, which one is it? When he gets the he gets the, like the like the Mogwai kind of thing, and he goes and he goes, it comes with a horrible curse, and he goes, that's bad. But it comes with a free uh, free uh, yogurt, and he goes, that's good. He goes, but the yogurt is also a curse. That's bad. And he goes, but it comes with twisted toppings. That's good. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. But yeah, no, this. Uh... Yeah, if if you folks enjoyed our theories, then uh, hey, just just let us know. We can always do more of these, and you know, uh, many more days, many more movies. So I, I love doing them because I find them challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's and, a and, lot and of that's, fun. that's fun for me. Just like, trying to trying to find something to bring together. Like uh, this, you know, this doesn't make sense. I think the, the less time I have to try to put something together, the more they, like the harder right. I really have to work for it. As opposed to I got time, I got time, right. <laughs> And then it just becomes oh, like, smokes, I'm late. Like, like we talked about last night. <laughs> and I got there and he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. And uh, I, I, I'd kind of like to do more episodes with like the reboot challenge. The reboot challenge is fun. Because you, really you, like you tossed a few my way, but we never got around to uh, doing another episode of it. So we definitely need to get into that. Yeah. I, uh, not sure how, uh, how I probably would feel about joining in the reboot challenge, but that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I if I can make it, I would definitely like. Uh, I I already know one right off the top of my head. Nice. Well, but we when we do them, we choose a, a movie for the other person. Well, I don't want to do that. And then, <laughs> no, I'm just and then we and then we like when we did it, we just like pick something, just like I'll just out of thin air, be like, um, I'm actually looking over at my movie trying to figure out yeah, what am we, I going to throw his way. I'm like, take this one. Yeah, we, we did like no prep time for it, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we came up with some really, really cool reboot ideas, I think. I think so too. So, right. Well, yeah, thanks everybody for giving us a listen. This has been fun. Yeah. yeah. 
Thanks for having me. Hey, Paul, let's get rid of Clarence and still have his good ideas. <laughs> hey. All right, everybody. Next time. Later, y'all. Zang, yo. All right. All right there, folks, that was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give them a hand.